What up? What up? What up? What's happening, y'all? We back. My name is Sonny. And I'm Ikea G. And this is the Fire This Time podcast. Up in here giving you that fire again, once again. Yeah, we here for episode 38. You know, got a few topics we're going to tackle, you know. We're going to talk about the Great Reset. Uh, this new uh, idea being put out by the elites of the world about, you know, them adjusting, you know, the world to their whims. Uh, put on by the World Economic Forum So we're going to be talking a little bit about that What it means for black folk we also going to be talking a little bit about uh, Martin Luther King Oh you know yeah what I'm This is Martin Luther King Day, January 17th MLK up And uh, that's actually what we're going to start with uh, For this week's fire So why don't you go and kick off the uh, conversation for us, Aki You know, first uh, of all, we want to start out with a mighty Ashe Ashe To the Honorable Martin Luther King Who was truly a soldier you know what I'm saying? He was a brother, an intellectual, a high intellectual at that. You know, he put his life on the line, taken out by the system. You know what I'm saying? It was him and Malcolm. They've been the stalwarts and 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 the figures and the idea figures of black manhood for like what the last since they've been here. You know, they didn't they didn't set up there on that pedestal. You know, and um, we definitely got to. Start off with a homage to him. We doing this on his birthday, you know. Mm-hmm. Doing it for the folks. Well, I shouldn't say birthday, but on Martin Luther King Day, you know, a black holiday. You know, we fought for that. You know what I'm saying? Or I should say, at least we protested a little bit for it. You know. So yeah, actually, uh, before this, uh, we recorded this episode. We te- checked out a little bit of Black Power Media. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Jared Ball and everybody over there. Uh, but. Jared Ball was uh, mentioning Dr. King's memorial in D.C. Mm-hmm. and about how it's a travesty, which I agree with, because uh, it features nearly no quotes from him, I believe, after the year 1966. Oh, yeah. And we know in the last few years of his life is where Dr. King increasingly, uh, you know, uh, centered his, you know, his radicalism or brought forth his radicalism, I should say, later in his life, you know, yeah. the years before his assassination. Both radicalism that he that he's ha- he's held on to, yeah, and uh, somewhat his what he found in his experiences, you know, yeah. uh, newfound wisdom through his experiences. So uh, I I'll leave it right there, though, Aki. Uh, you know, going to pick it up. I mean, anything you want to say? I mean, you know, um, this is Martin right here, man. You know, and it is a travesty up there, man. They, you know, they got a lot of stuff. Um, I've I've heard a lot of different things about that memorial. Um, through the years, but you know, it's not talk about his. Definitely here to talk about his life, you know, mm-hmm. and um, definitely from that little interview, I checked that out with you, Aki, and uh, it was a lot of deep stuff up in that one right there, mm-hmm. you know, um, starting to come a little bit more to life to the, you know, how the conspiracy to take him out, mm-hmm. you know, was coming about, you know, mm-hmm. um, some things we heard before, we knew before, we've always known that the feds. You know what I'm saying? Took out Martin Luther King. Um, we know that his family sued the feds, the United States government, and won. Mm. Sued him for that implication into his murder. And they won it. Right. A you know? civil case. Civil case. Mm-hmm. Um, so they pretty much already, to some extent, admitted. But, you know, this you know this article, man. So yeah, this article is from uh, the Covert Action magazine. This is also the article that Jared Ball covered in his program today. But, you know, taking a look at it, you know, had a lot in here that I hadn't uh, even read about. Deep so, shit. I mean, the article is titled, Did J. Edgar Hoover, the former uh, chairman or president, whatever, of the FBI, order the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr.? So this is, article, again, is from uh, published today. And uh, the subheading is, Powerful New Evidence of a Government-Abetted Conspiracy has prompted King family members to demand a reopening of the investigation into his murder. So, um, yeah, I mean, the article begins. Everyone knows that James Oral Ray shot Martin Luther King Jr., right? The U.S. government says so. All the school textbooks say so. And And it is enshrined as unquestioned gospel in the pages of Wikipedia. But the official story is full of holes, you know, which holes. And we're going to get into some of those holes uh, during our conversation today. Because I, I feel like it, it deserves somewhat of a deep dig. Like, we know 
offhand that you know the FBI was involved, that U.S. government yeah. was involved. Uh, we know th- about things like COINTELPRO, exactly. which at one point sent Dr. King letters yeah. talking about uh, we want you to kill yourself, nigga. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. We we got tapes that we fabricated. You know? Yeah, uh, we got recordings uh, of them visiting Mal- Mar- Malcolm. Yeah, yeah, you know. So um, so we we know we know how COINTELPRO. Uh, was moving or you know we should know or it really is being revealed more and more how they was now nah, we should know some of us don't but we should know i keep right so uh this article it says lays out that evidence that uh let me back up a little bit um let's see the real shooter according to these accounts struck king not from the boarding house bathroom as allegedly from where ray shot him but from bushes behind the lorraine motel the King assassination version of the grassy knoll. This article lays out that evidence as it may soon be laid out in court in a congressional committee. If the King's family demands to reopen the murder investigation, continue to gain traction. What follows is a reconstruction of the events leading up to King's murder and the subsequent purported attempts by local and national government officials to cover up their involvement and pin it on a patsy named James Earl Ray. So, um, yeah, King, you know, this is the context of this, which somewhat they get into, uh, I believe, in this article. Or, uh, but yeah, I mean, after King had given a speech denouncing the Vietnam War at New York's Riverside Church one year before his assassination, the uh, U.S. Army spies recorded black radical Stokely Carmichael warning him the man don't care you call ghettos concentration camps. But when you tell him his war machine is nothing but hired killers, you get in trouble. Carmichael, unfortunately, was right. So that's the context I wanted to touch on earlier. This is, you know, his assassination is taking place in the context of his increasing radicalism. Yeah. What does that mean for King? His opposition to the war machine. Yeah. His increasing opposition to this uh, Western capitalist materialism. Yeah. Uh, capitalism. Exploitation. Right. And so he he's becoming more informed and informing others about the condition of the colonizers of the world, right? And uh, he's I also mean, making good. He's starting to get on decent links. He was starting to get on decent links with Malcolm right before he left. They were moving closer together. They were moving closer together. Yeah. So you know, Malcolm just left a little bit before him. And uh, another interesting note: if you want to read more, you know, from Dr. King himself. Uh, I feel, believe it, it was, it's his final book that's titled Where Do We Go From Here? Mm-hmm. And within that book, Dr. King has an article titled Black Power. Yeah. So Dr. King has a whole chapter that he's written in response to the Black Power movement, mm-hmm. a movement that liberals often, uh, you know, kind of just distance him, him from. Yeah. You know, when, when really Dr. King uh, did have something to say or did have, you know, some involvement in yeah. the black nationalist fomenting a political uh, energy that was was coming on at that time black martin luther king definitely believed in black economics black political control black political power he believed in all of those things Mm -hmm. you know he just did it in a different method in a different way but he believed in it now i ain't gonna lie in my younger years i used to talk some shit you know i i've gravitated more towards the, the the militant side I've always been more geared towards that side and the cultural side of the black nationalism. But um, once you t- take the time to do a little bit of digging and deep in a- on Martin, you see how intellectually sharp and how complex his thought was. And anybody who, um, as you say, questions the war machine, there's a problem. You're going to be a problem from them. Like Stokely told me, they don't care if you call in the ghettos concentration camps. They don't mind that. When you start calling what they do across seas, you in my business pretty much. And that's interfering with his business. But you know, Martin is a um he's one of those figures that we always gonna have mysteries about, you know. You know, I've always said Martin and Malcolm is like our um Jesus and John the Baptist to some extent. You know, we should we need to enshrine them and put them in their own little shrines and things of that such nature. What I'm trying to find fascinating, though, is that that article said that they were shooting from the bushes. Mm-hmm. It also talks uh, talks something there about like officers being uh, taken off duty 
Oh, yeah. There was a uh, black detective that uh, was look was watching the Lorraine Motel that Dr. King was staying at, assigned to watch it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I believe it said an hour before, uh, in the hours before Dr. King's assassination, the FBI calls the Memphis Police Department. They call in a warning that <laughs> that officer, there's an assassination, uh, 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 I guess, chatter that they heard, an assassination plot against that officer that was watching Dr. King's hotel. So he gets confined to his home. So there is, so, and it's a black officer. Damn. So, uh, so there's no uh, telling, you know what I'm saying, uh, you know, what he would have seen if he was there. Yeah. You know what they know? They, 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 at that time, black unity was a little different. Mm-hmm. And it says the prosecution's main witness, Charles Quitman Stevens, had been arrested 155 times, mostly for alcoholism, and was dead drunk at the time of the shooting. And he was looking to obtain a $100,000 reward for identifying the Slayer of King. Later, when he was shown a photo of Ray, the supposed killer, by a CBS journalist, Stephen said that that was not the man he had observed running from the boarding house. Now, there's also two uh, multiple witnesses. (laughs) We was uh, laughing about this, Aki, because there were multiple witnesses around the bushes yeah. that uh, the man supposedly uh, fired from. The, yeah. kill that, the real killer supposedly fired from. I guess there were bushes, a long row of bushes lining yeah. uh, the road uh, next to the Lorraine Motel in, in this community, yeah. right? And uh, multiple witnesses in the area saw, uh, they heard the, the crack of the rifle from the bushes yeah. behind where Dr. King was yeah. uh, and, and below, right? Mm-hmm. And they saw smoke rise up, a plume of smoke rise up from the bushes as well. Yeah. And uh, one witness said the, the man that ran away had a white turtleneck on. Yep, exactly. And but those, uh, the, as this article explains, and we'll link it into the in the bio of this episode, as this article explains, mm-hmm. that their testimony was not observed, was not you know held held. Well, about what? One or two of them was drunk, wasn't it? Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, not only well, Quitman, who I mentioned before, yeah, he was the prosecution's witness, yeah. But there are multiple other witnesses that said they came from a different direction mm-hmm. that were just on the scene. I'm not sure if they were drunk or not. Gotcha. Uh, even so, let's read what Coretta Scott King had to say about the trial. Right, there is an abundant evidence of a major, high-level conspiracy in the assassination of my husband. The jury found that the mafia and various local, state, and federal government agencies were deeply involved in the assassination. Mr. R- Mr. Ray was set up to take the blame. And uh, I mean, they even talk about Ray, uh, the supposed killer, not being a good shot, not mm-hmm. being able to make the shot from the yeah. awkward position. He was out from if he was to make the shot that he was supposedly was supposed to make, he yes. would have to contort his body yeah. in a very uncomfortable way from the window. He supposedly took the shot that hit Dr. King where Dr. King was. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, a shot that he was that he didn't take and he didn't make. And why do I say that? There's also this evidence points out that the bushes from which the shot actually was yeah. witnessed taking place from those bushes were cut down mm-hmm. and, uh, and uh, either manicured uh, drastically to cover up evidence or damn near removed. Yeah. The de- the morning after the assassination. Y'all supposed to be out there. That's supposed not, to be a, a taped off. Not, not only that, Aki, a tree branch that. They found would if James uh, if Ray had killed Dr. King from the uh, uh, where they said that he did from the boarding room that they said that he did. Mm-hmm. There was a tree branch in the way from the balcony between him and the the balcony that the Dr. King uh, was standing on when he got killed. Right. Yeah. The morning after the assassination, that tree branch is also cleared away. Mm. From the people on the scene that seen that uh, that seen it happen when it happened. So, uh, I mean, right it there. even says here, the FBI was never able to match the bullet that killed King with the rifle allegedly left by Ray on the steps of the Knipe Amusement Company. They never even matched the bullet. Ray's fingerprints were also never identified in the room he had rented at the rooming house. A well-known crime scene investigator determined that the shot from the rooming house bathroom could not have struck King unless Ray had hung out the window or smashed a tin 
inch deep hole in the wall for his rifle to fit into. The angles were all wrong. Mm. So, uh, you know, we're going to, like we said, we're going to link the article there. You know, uh, it, it gets more, it gets deeper into how the Memphis Police Department mm, mm, mm. supplied the shooters. And uh, they were so eager to get him, they willing to set up one of their own and get him life. Got to take this for the team. That's crazy. Mm, so, uh, a shot from the bushes. This is also from the article. King's chauffeur, Solomon Jones, and Southern Christian Leadership Conference attorney, Chauncey, Ed- Chauncey Eskridge, who were both looking at King when he died, said they saw King's body lurch upwards when he was shot and not downward, indicating that the shot could not have come from the rooming house bathroom. Mm-hmm. Instead, it must have come from the bushes behind Jim's grill and between the rooming house and the motel. And again, Ray's first lawyer, Arthur Haynes Sr., noticed tree branches that would have been a formidable obstacle to shooting King from the rooming house bathroom, though these branches were cut down the next day by police to cover this up. Mm. Several eyewitnesses reported seeing a man crouching in the bushes and running away afterward and a sound like a firecracker coming from the bushes. Harold Cornbread Carter, this is the man you were speaking of, (laughs) who was drinking wine in the bushes. Yeah told investigators that he saw a man wearing a high-necked white sweater run away with a long gun in his hand after he heard a loud after he heard a loud bang from the bushes uh uh, olivia catling said that she saw a fireman standing near the wall below the bushes yelling at the police that the shot came from the clump of bushes above the area where he was standing but the police ignored him Reverend James Oren said that he saw smoke rise from the bushes right by the fire station seconds after the shot. And Orange and a reporter, Kay Black, also alleged that the brush area was cut and cleared back the morning after the shooting, along with the inconveniently placed tree branch. Mm. The pre-dawn cleanup request, according to the deputy director of the Memphis City Police Works Department in 1968, came from the uh, Memphis Police Department early on the morning of April 5th. Mm. So the morning after the assassination, the Memphis Police Department ordered those bushes and that tree branch cleared to help frame Ray. That shit is like obvious. It's obvious. They even get into uh, the Jim's Grill. Uh, Let's see. Taxi driver James McCall told William Pepper, that's the lawyer that was writing the book, Mm-hmm. that wrote the book uh and th- a lot of this information is in the book uh an act of state by william peppers by william pepper that was endorsed by credit scott king uh let's see uh on the morning after the shooting lloyd jowers the owner of jim's grill showed him a rifle in a box on a shelf under the counter which he said he had found out back after the killing this account was corroborated by Betty Spates, a young black waitress at Jim's Grill who implicated Jowers, her former lover, in the murder. Come on, sister. I'm going to show you a picture of Jowers. Her former lover. Hey, you got some intel, though. <laughs> Help piece it together. You ain't got nothing for that, Aki. <laughs> yeah, man, you know. Uh... Let's see. Uh, so, as y'all see, this this conspiracy goes deep. It's deep as hell. Man. Uh, there's a there's a final part. So let's let's see. Jowers identified the assassin as Memphis Police Lieutenant Earl Clark, who was regarded as the best shot on the Memphis Police Department, and who, and who was close to Liberto. Afterwards, Clark allegedly scaled down a wall adjacent to the Lorraine Motel before jumping into an escape vehicle. Clark was involved in planning sessions at Jim's Grill to prepare for the assassination with five other men, only two of whom Jowers could identify. One of the men, unbeknownst to Jowers, was an undercover police officer and agent agent provocateur, Merrill McCullough. If you don't get nothing else from this, this, just get this. Merrill McCullough is a black man, so keep that in mind, right? Mm. And he was assigned to the Memphis Police Department from the 11th Military Intelligence Group. Mm. 
Born in Mississippi, McCullough had served in the military police in Vietnam and went on to work for the CIA in Central or South America. No, Knox. At the time of King Slain, McCullough was posing as a member of the Invaders, a militant black political group which gave him access to King and his circle. He was identified as the mysterious figure kneeling over Dr. King after he was shot. Mayor McCullough, a black man who had previously worked for the CIA, you know, was there in Memphis and after attending planning sessions at Jim's Grill where the rifle that killed King was found. Yeah. He he attended planning sessions for the assassination and was kneeling over his body mm. after King was killed. And uh I mean it really show you right there. So when we say the FBI, the CIA was involved, city police of Memphis was involved. And for me, all right, let, let, so with all that in mind, it pushes me to think, Aki, what are they asking us to trust in? What uh, what type of system are liberals, black liberals, whatever? You know what I'm saying? Like, it, for me, it just really hone in on the big question in front of us of our relationship to this country. Mm-hmm. You know, if they, if the highest intelligence and military offices they got, Corroborate or collaborating to kill off our leaders. What does that say about you know what I'm saying? Or what should it say? Oh, I mean, it really, it, it really say everything. Just in how they hiding it. Really. You can't trust it, right? You know, black people ain't got no working history here in the United States that tells them that they can trust this system. It's always did some shiny shit to them, turned around, flipped on them, or whatever. That's just what it is. And so, like, true indeed, we find out stuff late. You know, we found out about Cointelpro after the fact. You know, even though we knew something was going on, we knew it was a conspiracy. We didn't know the details of it until after the fact. And it's like just now. We got more information that just recently came out about Malcolm's death. And then you got this coming out. You know, with time, you know, the truth can only stay suppressed for so long. You know, it can only stay suppressed for so long. So, you know, it's not out of their character. It's not out of their nature. You know, to see them operate. And then you got J. Edgar Hoover. Pardon me, but he is the devil. You hear me, Aki? Mm-hmm. He is the devil. He went at Garvey. He got his start off Garvey. Went at Garvey. Then after he went at Garvey, he went at Hubert Harrison. He went after Hubert Harrison, Carlos Cooks. He went after the Panthers, the UNIA. He went, I mean, he went after a bunch of damn groups. He just, woof. You know, to have him, oh, man. I think, I don't think he was, was he? Yeah, he was still living. He didn't die until the 70s. You know? So, I mean, I just say this, man. We got to, you know, remember our heroes. You know, these men really were martyrs. They really were, you know, people who were taken out, you know, for the cause. Um, it was others, but those are those ones that stand out because you always got them ones. Um, just as um, with those big type of voices, you know. So, man, we got to, you know, we got to do better, but act better. And that means act like we know what this system is. Act like we know what, you know, we in. And act like we know and uh, really find out who we are. Yeah. You know, I think what this society is increasingly asking of black people is to give up your unique racial identity, give up your culture and, you know, move beyond uh, your gripes with this system. You know, join, you know, join us, at the, join us to have a, have a seat at the table. You know, that's what they pushing. That's what they want. You know, not not treat black uh, aims, you know, collectively, mm-hmm. but treat them individually. Yeah. And, um, you know, Dr. King, you know, resisted that near the end of his life. He said, you know, I fear we are integrating into a burning house. Yeah. And look how right he was. Yeah. You know, look what integration has wrought on our people's consciousness. Yeah. And our look what integration has wrought on our culture. Yeah, you know, because uh, you know when Martin was doing this, we still had a black community, right? You know, when he was out there doing this, he was dealing with a whole different breed of people. 
You know, mm-hmm. now now we we dealing with we something completely different than that. You know, mm-hmm. mad individualist and not communal. Yep, and we got to reverse the course. You know, we got to reverse the course. So you know, let's kind of quickly talk about uh, you know the Great Reset. So this is uh, you know, and then we'll connect the two dots or the two threads at the end. But the Great Reset, Aki, was uh, something. You know, first, in, you know, introduced what, uh, by the World Economic Forum, which is, uh, you know, has a relationship with the International Mon- Monetary Fund, which we know is the devil, is the devil involved in colonialism, is the is the financial arm of colonialism. Truly, the financial arm of colonialism is the International Monetary Fund. Nigeria's- so this, this World Economic Forum. Uh, is a collection of what they call what globalized stakeholders, global stakeholders in the in the this global economy, right? Aki on our notes, he included something from Wikipedia that said the World Economic Forum generally suggests that a globalized world is best managed by a self-selected coalition of multinational corporations, governments, and civil society organizations, like the Bill and Melinda. Gates Foundation, right? For example, that's actually a member of the World Economic Forum. Prince Charles. Oh, yeah. We also saw... We saw the royal family of England on their YouTube channel promoting the Great Reset. Hell of a video. They put a lot of money into it, too. Oh, man. The the videos that they've been putting out for these things, the highest quality. You're right, Aki. And you really see how they use the language of the dispossessed. Yeah. For their own aims, they use the language of the critiques used against them historically. Yeah, as if you know, what I'm saying. So they're talking about decision making shouldn't be within the hands of the few. You know, yeah. and how, how do we give uh, you know regular people a stake in the economy? You know, well, we've been telling you, y'all don't want to hear that. Yeah, y'all want to do that. Yeah, I mean, everything, love some land. Everything socialist, y'all say is you know uh, uh, against people's individual rights. Yeah. You know that that's the propaganda they put out there. Yeah, I'm like, give me, I'm a reparationist. Give me my land. Mm-hmm. That's how I figured. We'll figure it out from now. So, so we talked a little bit about the group. Uh, I think we got the we got the point across about the group that put forward the Great Reset. Yeah. But what is the Great Reset? Right. It's this growing idea that has arrived in the last uh, really few years, where they, they're taking the COVID pandemic. Yep. As an opportunity to usher in or really begin formulating other global strategies for, um, well, depending if you ask them for evolutionary change, if you ask any critical thinker, though, you know, this is branding for this. This is the status quo rebranding the status quo as yeah. revolution or yeah. evolution. Right. Yeah. So, Yeah. You want to jump in here? I, can... I mean, and to me, it's just simple. It's world takeover. I don't. I can't. I can't go. No, I can't sort of skip around the bush on it. You know, the minute you start talking about putting it into control, this reset will put the the world. Keep on. Keep the, on. The minute you start talking about the world, will put the real. We'll put the world in reset. The things that they're talking about, having it under the control of corporations, CSOs, and all other types of things. Well, they can already see remnants of that now. I mean, we've already seen a lot of consolidating of a lot of different markets and businesses going in our own time. Even in the recent years, I mean, even with this COVID, we've seen, I mean, we were seeing the, the, the rise of Amazon long before that. But, um... The minute Amazon gets its own distribution fully up and running, it's going to be self-sustaining its damn self. Um, Walmart, you know, various other companies out here. I can see that, you know, becoming very, you know, prominent, you know, in the world, you know. Mm-hmm. What they say, you'll own nothing but be happy. Mm-hmm. I don't even know how you do that shit. Well, it's uh, subscription services, right? Is you can instead of owning your fridge, Aki, just pay the subscription for it. So I got it. So I'm gonna get a subscription to Walmart, and then I can have me a refrigerator. Right, right. Yeah, you, you get a Walmart with your subscription to Walmart. You, you get a you get a refrigerator with your subscription to Walmart. That's the type <laughs> of shit that's coming. 
Wow. You know, but I think it's the idea that, uh, you know, this increasing takeover, right, uh, of, you know, corporations, you know, even yeah. even as the digital age takes on and has the capability of ushering in real democratic change, yeah. real economic change, you know, some some potential in the technology, in, in the ways that it can connect us and help, you know, funnel revolutionary energy. Yeah. You know, this is them, uh, you know, uh, I guess taking that for their own use, right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you will own nothing and be happy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you, you, that, that, think about the metaverse. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Think. So, I mean, it, it increasingly speaks to the idea that more and more of the important things in our lives is going to take place online. It's going to be about our online identity. Mm-hmm. Being more important than our identity in in real life between each other socially is what you can represent online. That's more important. That that for me, that's the metaverse. Yeah, I mean, it's like you know when you have something like that taking over economics and controlling things of that such nature, you're gonna start talking about corporations and then the merger of governments, and or or you should say corporations with with armies. You know, corporations more important than governments. Co- there you go. Co- corporations yeah. have more that have more power than government, and and really a lot of that ten- uh, corporate interests and the interests of the the elite. Yeah, you know what I'm saying are increasingly winning that battle. You know what I'm saying yeah. because government, in that sense, you know, without critical thinking, you'll just take government as an honest expression of the people's will. Yeah, but. You know, for for decades now, yeah. if not centuries, you know, by yeah. now, you know what I'm saying? We've seen corporate interest infect and overtake, uh, I guess, peop- the, 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 real, the will of the, of the people, of the working class, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. even within governments. Oh, yeah. So I, I think uh, uh, the Great Reset looks for a further, I think, entrenchment of, mm-hmm. of those powers merging and becoming yeah. one. Yeah, and uh, which is dangerous for us, on right? Some sci-fi shit. Uh, I mean, I, we was watching the Hill, uh, the yeah. platform the Hill on YouTube, and they and they spoke of the rapacious greed of the private sector and the coercive power of the government sector merging. And that's true. The the, the government being cast as a you know extension of the people's will is coercive in its monopoly on violence, in yeah. its monopoly on incarceration, and things like of that nature. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very coercive. Because, you know, it, it takes on its face that, you know, this is the expression of uh, democracy, even if voting is all fucked up, right? Yeah. I mean, like, I wonder how something like that would affect the relations of people and communities towards each other. You know, how would they relate? I mean, it's going gonna, it's gonna to create a whole different way of how we interact socially mm-hmm. in a world that's dominated like that. Multinational corporations, governments, you know... That just seems so sci-fi to me. National culture is, you know what I'm saying, contradictory to their aims, you know. And, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, so I think they want a homogenized consumer. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They want that. National culture disrupts that. Yeah. You know they what I'm saying? The, the type of differences that make, you know, us unique here in the Midwest from our brothers and sisters in the South. Or, China, or, or, or from a Chinese person. Exactly. Yeah. They want to eliminate or, or lessen the degree of those differences, even if they give a lot of meaning to life. Yeah. Even if, even if they give a lot of, you know, particular meaning to the people invested into those cultures mm. or that are raised or part of those cultures. Yeah. Uh, they don't care that we want to preserve our culture. And, of course, black people is the ones assaulted first and most in that regard. Yeah. You know, uh, while other cultures are homogenized into this Americanism, into this multiculturalism, this universalism. Yeah. Uh, a little bit more subtly. Yeah. With black people, I think it's a little bit more out there, you know, even while some of us accept it wholeheartedly. Yeah. I mean, you know, um, a lot of us, a lot of, a lot of, with black people, a lot of them just don't know. You know, so when you talk about things like this taking place, now you're going to have to talk about a community that is to me you know when i speak of the community i just i'm speaking of the collective of the african american population here in north america mm-hmm. and so when i say the community you can talking about a community that's very not organized um and necessarily right now do not have the institutions in it 
to even be able to withstand a wherewithal in a world like that, ran by multinational corporations and um, government, you know, um, what would a, what? How would we relate? You know, uh, what would be our response? Are we willing to find new economic means, organized uh, along different social lines now? Um, would those communities break up into separate bands? You know what I'm saying? Those type of questions have to be asked because then the, then the world's going to change quite different. So it's going to be about the state that your people are in. You know what I'm saying? And then that means in a, in a country like that, you ain't going to have no friends. That's real, Aki. You, you know, ain't going to have no damn friends in no country like that. We're entering a moment if not already within a moment where our national unity is affecting our long-term outcomes mm -hmm. and our lack of national unity, our lack of revolutionary ideology within the national black institutions, you know, uh, it's having a profound effect in ways we don't even realize on how black America is going to be decades from now. So, I mean, which even speaks more to the urgency of the moment to correct that course or as best as best we can. I mean, you know this great this great reset. You know, uh, it's real. It, I mean, we can't. St it's not. A, this is the the prerogative of the elites of yeah. what the, what we see them doing. We see the wealth moving upwards in dras in in unbeforeseen numbers, right? Yeah. So, the, so while that's happening, the benefactors, which are part of the World Economic Forum are telling us that they're thinking of ways to give us a bigger stake in the economy. Yeah. At the same time, they're taking in the wildest amounts of wealth. Yeah. And coming together to talk to each other at the World Economics Forum. I mean, as if they, they're not the devil themselves. I mean, this shit is always going on in Germany some damn where, you know what I'm saying? When you look at these corp, the people that's on, I wish we had that list pulled up, but you can, once y'all read the article, y'all see it. You can Google um, the World Economic Forum. You can find out all the supporters and sponsors of this shit. I mean, Apple, the presidents of U.S., China, Canada, uh, Russia, uh, all these, all these countries, yeah. all the companies you can think of. That's where they at. Apple's a sponsor. Uh, who else? Uh, pretty much, yeah. Everything that you see, whether if it's for not related to what you love mm -hmm. or what you are addicted to, it's related to something that you directly need or something that's directly. Um, in relation to the governance of you You know All of this is gonna be That time period Where we're gonna have to start Really thinking about In, in grid Off grid living You know um, That's what makes stuff like that Seem so sensible But um, We don't know how long But I know the process Is for it to come through And they're also gonna use What they call that Fourth industrial revolution You know The STEM era They're gonna try to use that as a catapult because a lot of people they when they hear um the great reset they think it's just the world economic forum carrying on their same you know environmental health programs and things like that and i want to see how that work out y'all gonna clean up the oil in nigeria they're gonna clean up the oil down there in louisiana finally get all of that up you know are you gonna deal with the you know they'd use those things but those are normally fronts that's how companies take over you know and like I say, Walmart and Amazon is damn near already on their way. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, Key. I mean, I mean, one one thing from uh, one of these World Economic Forum videos that we watched, one of these global stakeholders, the global part of the global elite, right? He said that these catalytic catalytic shifts that we're experiencing change what we see as possible and profitable that that's a sentence he used <laughs> what we changes what we see as possible and profitable so you see the private interest that is partnered next to or really has overtaken you know what i'm saying the more uh humane or humanistic side of things well if you're the, talking about multinational corporations and governments that's a small set of the population period but that also includes all the apparatuses that come with them. 
Because the, the government is going to be the military backing behind these multinational corporations. With those multinational, so that, that government has soldiers, secretaries, generals, you know, aviators, and all of those type of things going on with them. So, you know, by far, when you compare that to the majority of the population on the planet, well, in most countries, that's a small population, you know. Um, so you're going to have people that's going to be willing to do a dirty work. And then you're going to have the people that's actually doing the dirty work. You know, um, it's always going to be in the hands of a small few. This is just, to me, capitalism 3.0, you know, on a global stage. On This is on the globe because this is all about globalization, you know. And black people in globalization, we got to, you mean, I don't think we necessarily prepared. That may be some things we would need to prepare for in 2020. Oh, we're definitely unprepared, Aki. I mean, relative to where we need to be or where we could be, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but you know, I, that that's not coming from you know me trying to be like cranky about it or like negative about it. It's really me being optimistic about it. Yeah. You know, uh, and saying that we have the potential to do so much more, but more of us got to realize that. Uh, and but also realize that it's not going to come from our oppressor. Our oppressor ain't going to provide for us in that way. Yeah. They want us to be, you know, and that's really for black people. What does the Great Reset mean? The Great Reset is seeking to draw us deeper into a globalized, individualized world. Yeah. You know, where the grievances that we have as black people and really our unique history and our unique destiny means less in this globalized world yeah. that the World Economic Forum is secondary is planning, you know what I'm saying? Where everybody's just an individual, uh, and that's how society is seeking the the you know everything else inter- is interrelations with us. Everything is secondary to yourself and your desires. And why why am I stressing individualism? Is because you see the weakening of the family that's being engineered. You're seeing the. Uh, you see, I mean, you're seeing the the weakening of of, of racial unity and, and and its context, you know, it, where it's now it's becoming more aesthetic, yeah. right? I mean, you even see it. Uh, I believe it was the year 2020. We saw the largest political protests that have ever occurred in this country, as far as what took place on the streets. Yeah, in a lot of cities, a lot of major cities. Yeah, saw the largest largest street protest they ever seen. Tens of thousands of people in some of these places, yeah. right? Why is that the case? Because things are becoming more aesthetic. It's because things are less about direct material political demands and things are more about uh, just the aesthetics of the situation. I mean, you're right, Aki, because when you relate it on like a, a, um, a social, that, that social interaction level, and especially with individualism, you know, social media has provided a way for a person to stay in their box, it has provided a way for a person to get entertained most enjoyments or acquire most enjoyments without leaving their couch or leaving their front door. And it's this isolation. Um, and I think they're timing it right. And they said it. They doing it, they, it, it was COVID. That isolation right there. I think that could have been like a sort of a wake-up call for them. Like, damn, they really can't handle this isolation because we are sociable creatures. Mm-hmm. And we like to be sociable, you know. So I think this is going to affect a lot. Of, it's already, it's like it's already starting. I think we're already being prepped with the social media and um, our addiction to social media. I think we're already being prepped for it, mm. you know, in an era where this is going to be damn dead every part of your everyday life. You know, you're going to be subscribed to Walmart and you subscribe to um, uh, Amazon. And you got your refrigerator from Amazon and you got your stove from Walmart and you, and you get your groceries from whoever else, you know. Um, and I think it's going to see a monopolizing on various other things because right now they're just talking about, I think, the governmental process. But after a while, it's going to go to season land resource, not necessarily land and resources, but uh, other corporations and markets i mean leave it up to the the so-called goodwill and the so-called genius of these corporations and we're gonna have elon musk designing our hunger game wards you know what i'm saying yeah 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 or or they're gonna be designing these black mirror-esque alternative realities for us to to enter into as the environment crumbles because we ain't changed it up and we left them 
the we we left the status quo to evolve the status quo. I mean, you know, it reminds me of it reminds me of Gary, Indiana. <laughs> Why you say that? Because Gary, Indiana was a union town. Mm-hmm. I forgot the Pacific factory that was there, and they whole pretty much owned Gary wholesale. The grocery store mm-hmm. was theirs. The gas station was theirs. The clothing store was theirs. You had to buy from it if you was in Gary. Now, if you can leave and go buy get your stuff, but you if you was there and you wanted to buy your product, you had to get it from there. People was wondering why if you seen the Jackson movie, you seen the Jacksons and they was out there picking potatoes. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It was living. It wasn't just because they had a bunch of kids. He was working at a factory. But the prices were so jacked up on those products in those factory stores that the people damn near lived in poverty. That also happened in Pullman, Illinois. That's how you got the Pullman's Porter situation. That was actually, I think it was a riot or something like that that took place up there. So imagine multinational corporations that now control the grocery stores, control not only the media, that's including radio, music. They also control the farms that actually produce the food and things of that such nature. You know, then they can give you any damn thing. Mm-hmm. You know, because you depended on them for a food source. We see it going on in places in Africa. You place, I know Africans right now that complain about the fact that they can't get their, all their chicken comes from China. Mm-hmm. And they pissed off. You know what I'm saying? But dirty contracts, the dirty leaders signed with dirty people. So people are going to try to buy into this wholesale, like he, you know what I'm saying? Some of it's going to be some people because they're going to see money and profit out of it. A capitalist is going to jump on it off the rip just because it's right up his tune. The other folks are probably going to be swayed in just because it seems like the 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 way to go, you know. I mean, uh, I know cryptocurrency is like indirectly related to this topic or maybe directly related to this topic. You know, uh, cryptocurrency is definitely, you know, it may be not as directed by the World Economic Forum, but it's part of this great reset. Yeah. You know, it's, it's coming. It, it's a terrific change that is is occurring in the financial sector of our lives, you know. And I mean, we see the changes now and people are predicting massive changes in the massive incorporation of cryptocurrency technology yeah. into what we're doing. But, you know, me and you also thanks to Jared Ball. He talked about that on his Black Power Media program today as well. He talked about how and he showed a paper. I couldn't tell you uh, who wrote it, but maybe NYU related, if I'm not mistaken, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, they was on their talk. No, it was the London School of Economics or, or something like that. Yeah. Right? Uh, they was on there talking about how uh, for for Bitcoin, Bitcoin is the wealth within Bitcoin is more concentrated at the top than uh, the U.S. dollar. Mm. And they broke down and, and showed there's this many users of Bitcoin. There's this many Bitcoin accounts to hold this massive amount of Bitcoin. And um, and they broke it down. How I mean that. That so for Bitcoin, you know, which is pretty representative, I believe, of cryptocurrency as yeah. a whole. You know, that shows a little bit more class stratification than anything else, than than the U.S. dollar even. Well, I, I'll say this: people seem to think when you have something that's even non-government controlled, that it would be naturally, uh, you know, equal or fair. Um, we have to remember that. Bitcoin is not Bitcoin is just one coin. You know, cryptocurrency is the actual the currency. It's the actual concept. That concept is going to be a reality. We are going to go to a crypto type currency. Bitcoin is the most popular one right now. You know, mm-hmm. and I can imagine why when one coin costs like how much how much they said it cost earlier? Uh, for, it's up. It's around forty fifty thousand. Forty fifty thousand. One coin costs you forty fifty thousand. The average person can't get in on that. You know, um, when you start talking, yeah, we, you can buy pieces of one though. Yeah, you can buy pieces of one, or you can go into that whole mining process, and that's an investment that's probably worth fifty thousand dollars. When you start thinking all of the computers and modems and all of this stuff that you got to get to do that, um, it's it, it it's a lot that comes with that. I mean, now because, and I'm not necessarily putting the faith in government or whatever, but. Cryptocurrency is going to be a reality, but it's going to be a reality when governments adopt it. Like uh, your actual government 
has but, a cryptocurrency. But I, I guess my thing is this. I question whether a change in financial technology is really as revolutionary as it's being promoted as being. Right? No, uh, no. Nah, nah, nah. I, I think, and you got to think, if we're coming from a Marxist point of view, you know, Mark, even Marx talked about, uh, I think, what was it, fictive? Uh, I, I think I saved the uh, the the joint. Marx has a chapter on, uh, oh, I might not be able to find it quick enough. Uh, hmm. Marx talked about, Karl Marx talked about fictive pieces of capital, you know, that was like based in fiction, basically. I can't find the article. I screenshot it. But, uh, but yeah, I, I guess the important part for me is more so just the fact that, um, you know, it, it's it's not the, the technology that's, you know, financial transactions are taking place with. Mm-hmm. It's the means of production. No. You know what I'm saying? It's who owns the means of production. Gotcha. Right? Mm-hmm. That's the important part. And that's where the revolution has to take place. And yeah. that that's the transfer of power that we're looking for yeah. between the elite, the bourgeoisie, and the working class or the proletariat. Yeah. And that's what we have to remain focused on. We have a lot of junior or potential or wannabe capitalists yeah. that are looking to manipulate or use manipulated markets or these, you know, whatever you want to call cryptocurrency as far as how it's acting out here mm-hmm. that, you know, are, are trying to use that as somehow. Uh, I mean, you can definitely help alleviate some of your own financial concerns. Yeah. But this is not a collective way for black people to change their condition or yeah. for the working class in general to change their condition yeah, yeah. you know that the, the change in condition has to be the change in the, the the means of production yeah you know uh and you know who owns these corporations that are supplying our needs in this increasingly you know uh neoliberal world this increasingly privatized world mm. right these corporate so it's not governments as much as corporations that are now taking on you know, or the privatization, as we could say, of, you know, certain sectors of our society. Yeah. You know, uh, the the change in the mean of production, you know, is a change in who, on, who who runs those corporations and who the profits afforded to those corporations, who those profits really benefit. Are the profits going to benefit the company or the corporation owner, the elite, mm-hmm. or is it going to uh, mutually benefit the workers? Yeah. Right. And Marxism, you know, and socialism says it should benefit the workers. We need a dictatorship, not of the elite, not of the few, but of the many, the working class. Yeah. So we got to remain focused and not just get caught up in, you know, flashy technology. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because I I really don't see these cryptocurrencies yet as much different than stocks. Yeah. As far as how people are putting their money in and taking them out. They're not acting as alternative currencies yet. Yeah. And even if they do, that's not changing the means of production. Yeah. You got a point there, Aki. I mean, um, it's it's some it's like it does prey on hope. It preys on hope. It preys on addiction that America produces in us as a consumer nation. Um, I do see a lot of people going that route though, just because. Um, even though we have to still be that voice out, there, I see a lot of people going that route because, like I say, it it gives them it it's at it 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 entices their desires. You know, the United States is big on exploiting the uh, carnalities of man, so um, that future is going to provide that for them. Like I said, and then you put it in that closed social media culture where they're seeing all these. Um, images and things on instagram and things of that such nature that's messing with men and women psychologically so you know the world is closer now we can touch each other and um you know for to have to that's why i think they're calling it a reset because for us to have to go back into a mode of dwelling with self we've already seen that we ain't ready for that you know we went crazy we was pulling out our hair and everything else so you know I mean, we just got to be prepared and be vigilant, you know what I'm saying? Um, Try to create different alternatives, you know, in our communities that can serve as a a certain protection against this that's coming, because it's coming, you know? And it even talked about how they see a future with the United States. I mean, I'm not co-signing the United States. I want the bitch to burn. But, like, where the United States is not going to be a, a superpower, you know? 
it, it, they're just using buzzwords. You know what I'm yeah. saying? That, that's a buzzword type argument. So you got the World Economic Forum telling people that, you know, look, society is changing and we have a chance to change it for the better. Look, America's not going to be a superpower. Yeah. But the corporations that were birthed from the wealth created by the U.S. empire and its enslavement of African Americans and its, you know, removal of Native Americans. Yeah. Its colonization of an entire continent. Yeah. The corporations birthed from that are uh what so they're gonna run it now well so they, and they have that's there's less input in those corporations running shit than uh the uh, government structure well and I, and it's still gonna be sort of sort of uh area based because you think about it the walmart united states amazon united states you know these countries are gonna be where they based at so the the, the equivalent of way walmart in china It'll probably be in there too. Well, you know what? I, I guess I key. They're talking to a whole different audience than us when that when you know these these conversations around America being a superpower. That yeah. ain't never benefited black folk like that. Yeah, yeah. We've been under the heel of this country. Yeah. As long as we in the state that we in, we 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 you know we gonna be where we at. We got to come up out of that. This right here is just another phase of resetting, like they did before. They've done this before. Exactly You know And um, uh, the Marx chapter I was thinking about Was chapter 25 of Capital uh, Volume 2 Where it's called uh, Credit and Fictitious Capital So for anybody wondering What I was trying to refer to earlier So I mean uh, It's crazy Over 100 years ago Folks saw this coming As far as The the, the type of uh, evolutions That Capital was going to undergo I'm gonna have to read that I can Yeah fict- you know, I, I mean, That's what in the, the, you know, NFTs, I ain't a Marxist like that uh, But you know I, I check that out That sounds like It's gonna be something right there Yeah there's a uh, You know NFT is non-fungible tokens You know what I'm saying That's a metaverse shit right there Yeah Where you can buy an NFT Of a virtual Representation Of the street you live on you can buy it virtually type shit. Or you can buy a virtual plot of land in a virtual world, right, that people can come visit. So that's that. That's what NFTs is headed is already doing. Hey, hey, I, hey, I'm keeping it real. I've been looking at some of that stuff myself lately. We, we getting there. You know, like I say, in a minute, we're going to be seeing some androids walking around here, you know. Um a lot of these other countries are already going into those type of technologies. So, that I mean, they just really getting this. They, they really trying to get the population in the world. Um, sedated. Yeah, sedated enough. I was trying, I was finna say brainwashed enough. Mm-hmm. They want to sedate us. Yeah, sedate us enough. And brainwash us. All of it. Yep. You know what I'm saying? For the next, for this next, this, this great reset. Um, I think that with the um, early... Or the millennials and the zennials, we were we were the first generation that was prepared for that. Like, um, mm. the zennials are, are born fully into a world with internet, and the millennials were born into a world where half of that time, or a good bit of that time, early part didn't have internet. So it's like this this generation the population right now is already acquiesced to it my nephew and my nieces can work iPads and iPhones like grown folks you know what I'm saying they know exactly they grab your phone know exactly where to go how to swipe in there get into the game and everything you know what I'm saying so they already equipped for it and so I think they're getting us prepared for it you know what I'm saying I, I, I see it coming you know um, I see it coming too Aki and you know what we gotta do is Keep on pushing our culture. We have to have, you know, as part of the political revolution, we need a cultural revolution within black America, within New Africa. Yeah. You know, which uh, reminds our people, leads our people back, collectivizes our will towards, you know, uh, having a, a, you know, raising up our culture to protect our interests, to further our interests, mm-hmm. to create a society, you know, where our worldview is you know helping our children come into being come into life with a structure that makes sense that doesn't confuse them mm-hmm. in the same way that this backward jazz and perverse american culture does yeah you know uh so we we can't just keep on fall we can't fall into this you know globalized you know hype dream yeah. that uh they pushing on us the sedata so I think that, I think that's the main idea. 
for for today. I mean, you know, they're trying to. Um, I think that covers it. You know that 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 pretty much says it. They they just they they just want to prepare. They want to we we want to prepare, but they're trying to prepare. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and they already got their mind on what they want this to be. You know, mm-hmm. um, the question is, do you do you got your mind made up uh, that you want to be in it or be a part of it? Mm-hmm. Time. Time to act as now, Aki. Yeah, master question. You know what I'm saying? Master yeah. question. I think we'll leave y'all with that question. You know, pick up on this thread and many others next week. And uh, yeah, anything? Last words, Aki? Nothing else. Think about it. I right, keep that fire burning, y'all. Peace. Peace.